This is a Together Church podcast, a place to explore meaning, friendship, and faith in Jesus. We'd love you to connect with our community. Find out more at togetherchurch.com.au. Each year we have a family holiday to the east coast of Tasmania, which I love, a place called Piccaninny Point, uh, close to Bishno, and we head there at least once a year, usually twice a year, and we spend time uh, at a beautiful shack, walking on the beach, riding bikes, playing board games, and not doing much as a family, which is great. And in, aug- uh, in uh, April this year, I was riding bikes around the property uh, with Jethro, and we were just chatting and talking and enjoying the bike ride, and he came up with this totally random question out of the blue. And he said this, he said, Dad, I have a question. I don't get freedom. Full stop. What type of question is that? <laughs> and so we're riding along, and I was curious. I said to Jethro, well, okay, <laughs> what do you mean by that? And he said, well, and I wrote this down. He said, well, I have to go to school. I don't get a choice. I have to wake up every morning really early and I don't get to be free. But you, you get to go wherever you want, whenever you want. <laughs> you can choose to go to work or not go to work. Adults get to do whatever they want, but kids don't get any freedom. Oh, well, it's an interesting perspective. I'm not quite sure it's quite accurate. I'd love to go to work whenever I want and not go whenever I want. But it was an interesting question. So I asked Jethro a follow-up question. I said, so JJ, it sounds like you think, we're still writing, it sounds like you think that freedom is doing whatever you want, whenever you want. Is that right? And, uh, you know, he paused and he's a pretty savvy kid. He thought, am I getting backed in a corner? (laughs) And he said, no, that's not right, Dad. It's going where I want, whenever I want. <laughs> but it was kind of the same thing. And so we talked about it as we rode, and we had this great conversation about the realities and the responsibilities of what freedom actually means. And uh, I talked about the consequences of eating whatever you want, whenever you want. You know, obviously it makes you fairly unhealthy. And I talked about the idea of spending whatever you want, whenever you want, and what debt looks like, and uh, talked a bit about consumption for a nine-year-old. Uh, we talked about sleeping with whoever you want, whenever you want. You know, we have those conversations in our family and, you know, that's not great for a marriage. And I thought my profound logic was sinking through and we had this great discussion. And then Jethro said, Dad, that's all bad advice. I'm going to chuck it all away. <laughs> oh, thanks, Jethro. Boom, just hit me in the heart. Um, but anyway, we just, I kept quiet then and we rode around the park a few more times going, gosh, that didn't work well. And, uh, but then at the end, Jethro stopped and he looked at me and he said, actually, Dad, that wasn't bad advice. I'm going to give you five cents for that advice. <laughs> Which is a classic. It's not quite my consulting fees. And he never actually paid up, actually. But, um, but I figured five cents is progress, I reckon. So that's pretty good. But here's the thing. Despite the fact that my nine-year-old son is you know, going to be a philosopher or a politician or, I don't know, a, lo- a loan shark or something... Um, Oh, and here's my picture of Jethro, not in Piccaninny, but uh, I just found a nice picture. But it did make me think, what is freedom? What is freedom? And where do we get our understanding of freedom from? See, according to Jethro's definition, 
Freedom is the ability to do whatever we want, whenever we want, without consequences, or go wherever we want, wherever we want, without consequences. And it sounds great, but life doesn't quite work this way, does it? You know, there are consequences to the actions that we live out, and, uh, and, and not all actions make us feel free. So what is true freedom? Uh, what does the Bible teach about freedom, which we're going to talk about today? Uh, and, and in the context of this series that we're exploring, well, how does our understanding of freedom shape our beliefs and our behaviours about sex and gender and sexuality? Really, really important foundational questions. So today we're going to talk about this question, what is freedom? And it's part of a broader series, as you know, we've, exploring, we've been exploring called Longing for Love, a series about love and gender and sexuality. And look, I'm not sure who came up with this quote. I heard, heard it in a sermon once, and I don't think they knew where it came from, but I like it. And someone once said, uh, the gospel is most relevant where the culture is most confused. So the gospel is most relevant where the culture is most confused. And I believe that our culture, our world, is deeply confused about sex and sexuality and issues around uh, what it means to flourish as sexual beings in this world. Now, I talked about theologian N.T. Wright, how he has said that there is confusion upon confusion upon confusion in every area related to our sexuality in the West. And we have never been more obsessed about sex and gender issues as a society. We've never been more sex-saturated in our culture than than ever before, Uh, but people have also never been more broken, uh, more hurt, and experienced more mislaid promises than we are experiencing today as well. And it's really important that that we know that Jesus' message uh, still speaks into our culture and provides hope and breaks the confusion. Uh, Jesus offers a positive, life-giving and reality-aligned message to help us understand sex and sexuality in a broken world. Uh, And the starting place, as we explored, uh, has been that God is love. That is the foundation we're working with in this series. And if we begin with God's Word, His love, and we build our worldview from this reality that God is love and our love is found within God's love, then when we ask and answer a bunch of other questions, we lead to a traditional Christian understanding of sex and sexuality. Uh, So we we need to ask questions like, what is love? Which we've covered over a few sermons. What is freedom? Uh, What is sex and sexuality? What is gender? What is marriage? What is singleness? Etc. Uh, The alternative, as we've explained, is starting with the rejection of God, the rejection of God's Word, uh, rejecting the the authority of Scripture, and rejecting the idea that both God is good and that God is love. And and instead, then we're left with simply defining love by human experience. Or as Michael said, we have to define love by love itself. We define the Word by itself. Uh, and, And so we end up defining love through uh, subjective experiences through our emotions, our feelings, uh, and, and that leads to a totally different conclusion to the same questions leading to what we might call the sexual revolution. And the thing about it is, is as apprentices of Jesus, as disciples of Jesus, people seeking to walk in His way, uh, we straddle both worlds. I know we do. I know that I wrestle and I struggle to straddle both worlds. And the thing about it is that our views on sex and sexuality are shaped by the biblical story, but they're also shaped by popular culture. And we can't help experiencing both because we are fish swimming in an alternative worldview in Australia. 
And so by laying a foundation that is aligned with the foundation that God is love and, and seeking to hear God's word on this topic, then my heart is that we will all be better aligned, uh, more aligned in terms of our heart, our head and our habits, that they might align with God's reality. Uh, but also, you know, if you're not yet an apprentice of Jesus, if you're exploring faith for the first time, uh, if you're listening to this talk out of curiosity, then you know, we don't expect you to come to the same conclusions. But I do invite you throughout this talk to keep an open mind, to be willing to listen to alternative perspectives and, and, and to explore the logic of Scripture, the logic of what happens when you start that God is love and that God's love shapes our perspective on everything. And I think you might be surprised at how beautiful and coherent and reality-aligned God's perspective is when it comes to sex and sexuality, even in our day and age. Uh, and the last bit before I dive in more is that this is a 12-plus talk. We've mentioned this briefly. Uh, and look, I would say it's less appropriate for kids who aren't in high school uh, without parent consent. So obviously, I'm not going to put up any explicit images, but there are concepts we'll talk about more explicitly now and in a few other talks around sex and gender and body image, pornography, in, in a more overt way. Uh, and look, some adults might feel com uncomfortable uh, speaking about this topic in this space, uh, and, and even some teens. Uh, and yet, look, what I've been thinking is when I look at the narratives and the stories around us, uh, our young people are already talking about these issues. They're already being discipled every time they turn on Netflix or watch so social media, every time they look at YouTube. We're, we are being discipled in these issues, these topics. We're talking about hard stuff uh, in terms of sex as a culture, and therefore we need a space uh, to wave our own flag, to talk about Jesus' message of sex and sexuality, to educate and disciple our own communities in a way that is safe and mature, which is why it's a little bit of an older talk. Uh, and we do have an amazing kids program. So, uh, what is freedom? What is freedom? Freedom is one of our most important foundational values in the Western world. Okay, It is absolutely central. Some people suggest that it's the defining value of Western culture. Just think about a national anthem, okay? Australians, all let us rejoice, for we are young and free. Yeah, like it's, it's right there in the foundation of who we are as a nation. Uh, we're young, we're reckless, we're larrikins, we like beer and barbecue and snags and, and, uh, and, and we're carefree. You know, it's how we define ourselves. We're young and free. Uh, and I think that really shapes our value set. And it's not just Aussie culture. There are national anthems that we all know, more than our actual national anthem, uh, and they're shared through Hollywood, shared throughout Western culture and pop culture. Uh, Disney's song is one example. Uh, what song is it? Let It Go. Everyone knows this. In fact, I would say more of us know the song Let It Go than we do the actual national anthem of Australia. <laughs> it's true, right? All right, so again, uh, you see the same narrative, the same values in this song. I'm going to give it a go. So let it go, let it go. Can't hold it back anymore. Let it go, let it go. Turn away and slam the door. And then she goes, it's time to see what I can do to break the limits and break through. No right, no wrong, no rules for me. I'm free. Yeah, amazing. I'm sure that will be our national anthem one day. I'm sure. But... um. But it actually sounds a lot like Jethro's definition, doesn't it, of freedom, the one he asked me about. It sounds really similar. No right, 
no wrong, no rules for me, and therefore I'm free. I get to do whatever I want, whenever I want, eat ice cream, stay up late, don't do my homework, you know, and therefore I'm free. It's exactly the same story. And, and I call this the freedom narrative. It's a story about freedom that has been handed down through culture that we swim in and live in and breathe every day, and it shapes our thinking in very deep very subconscious and very profound ways, and we need to understand it. And this is why my nine-year-old son defines freedom the way he does. Uh, it, it, it's, it's the narrative that shapes us. And so the freedom narrative goes a bit like this. If you want to be free, you must rebel from family, from institution, from community. Don't be religious. Don't follow other people's rules or other people's regulations. Follow your heart. Trust your feelings, Luke Skywalker. Break the rules. Find your own path. Let it go. This is the freedom narrative. And when you let it go, when you follow your heart and find your true path, you will discover your true self and then you will be free. This, this is the story. This is the freedom narrative. So freedom, according to pop culture and media, is not just the removal of unreasonable bondages and uh, restrictions like poverty or slavery, which have traditionally been what we've sought when we try to break free, but it's the elimination of all restrictions, of all boundaries, of all limitations, uh, to be free from religion, from family, from institution, from parental boundaries, from societal norms. And, and when we do that, we find freedom. So look, top left, mumble <laughs> from happy feet. And uh, mumble rebels from the religious elders, the, the bad penguins whose traditions are blinding them to the reality of what's happening. And therefore, the only way you can be free is by finding your own dance and singing your own song. And therefore, when everyone dances a new dance, uh, ironically the same as everyone else, then you'll be free. Um, Rapunzel escapes from home, which is a prison. I mean, it actually is a prison in this situation. But uh, then she awakes, she, she, she leaves home, breaks the rules, finds enlightenment through rebellion. Uh, Nemo escapes from his home and his controlling and anxiety-ridden father uh, and ends up on an adventure and ends up saving his family and his father and his friends uh, through this adventure of breaking the rules. Uh, Moana breaks the tribal customs that say stay at home, be on land, uh, which is actually going to destroy the entire world. And she follows her heart by following the ocean, discovers herself and rescues everyone. It's all the same story. <laughs> there's trouble, there's redemption, but it's the same story. And it's called the freedom narrative. And we have built a religion around this story in the capitalist West. Uh, freedom is found when we reject family, we reject tribe, we reject tradition and institution, and we follow our feelings to discover our true self. This is the message, and it shapes everything. Uh, and it means that the way to find yourself is to be an individual, so to think for yourself, just like everyone else, uh, to reject authority, and to certainly reject religion in order to save yourself and your community. Now, I'm not saying that all traditions are right. I'm not saying that we shouldn't think for him ourselves, and this was a really bad dude. Um, I'm not saying we shouldn't think for ourselves, and I'm not saying we shouldn't have adventures. I'm not saying we shouldn't be individual and express our own song. You know, but 
You know, in, there are cultures which are particularly communal, family-oriented cultures where we really do need to help people find their own path and to sing their own song, to, to question some of the traditions that actually are limiting. Just think communist China, Saudi Arabia, you know, there, there, are, there are cultures where this message of Disney is really helpful. Uh, but in Australia, this is not a helpful message. We are totally and utterly pounded by this message to the point where we are in bondage because of our freedom. We are so rebellious and we are so individualized that we've lost health, wholeness, happiness and joy. We have totally overcooked the message and it's made us unwise. This is not a balanced diet. This is an unhealthy message for us. Uh, reject the rules, reject tradition, reject Bible, reject community, trust your heart, do what feels right in the moment and then you'll be free. It is capitalist religion and it deeply shapes our view of sexuality. So, what is freedom according to our world, our culture? Let it go is the religion. There's no right, there's no wrong, there's no rules for me and therefore I am free. And we know, it's, we know the propaganda, we know the slogans. Do whatever feels right, as long as it feels right to you and doesn't hurt anyone, it must be right. We've heard this. Follow your heart, let it go. Trust your feelings. And, and so freedom so narrowly defined in an unbalanced and unnuanced way doesn't work. It, it is to say that to be free you must break away from religion and tradition away from family expectations, follow your heart, trust your feelings, and in doing so, you'll find your true self. That is the definition of freedom in the West. It is a nine-year-old's definition, actually. It is a, a, a young and free culture that will never grow up beyond being young and free. So the question we need to ask ourselves is, does an individualized, feeling-oriented, community-rejecting lifestyle actually give us freedom? It's a very hard question for us to ask in our culture because we're just so soaked in it. But, but does it actually make us free? Freedom and the freedom narrative is, is not just promoted to Disney, through Disney, to young, young children. It's, it's mass marketed particularly to teenagers, which is, I think, an important thing to, to, to talk about. Uh, and it defines teenagehood in our culture in a very different way than all cultures at, in all times, just about. And yet we've just, we've just taken the pill uh, and we've gone with it. And it makes sense. If you can mass market this narrative to young people and shape their adult habits through this story, it makes a lot of sense from a capitalist perspective. You see, if you can get young people, and I hope this is okay, there's young people in the room, but if you can get young people, and adults of course, to, to reject the wisdom of their parents, bad parents, always wrong, to reject the wisdom of the community, reject timeless instructions, uh, reject scripture, then if you can get them to follow their heart as their primary modus operandum, then they're great consumers. They will need to buy more, they will need to spend more, they will need to consume more, and they won't find their identity in their family or their faith community or their trusted tribe. They will have to find their own identity just like everyone else in the same brands in what they consume, what they buy, what they spend, what they watch on TV, and they're great at spending. Um, that is really why we have the freedom narrative in our culture. In fact, ironically, the only rule you must break in Western capitalist society is what? <laughs> you, you, you must break the rule, you, the only rule you, sorry, the only rule you have to follow is the rule that you must break all rules. <laughs> it's the only one you have to keep. Don't have rules, 
deconstruct everything. Uh, buy, consume, be reckless, just like everyone else. You've seen that movie, um, uh, oh, what is it? We're all individuals. <laughs> Monty Python. You all have to be individuals, just like everyone else. And that's the only rule. Um, and so the hard thing in terms of gender and sexuality, as well as you know, the rest of the way we see the world, is that it's no longer acceptable to be conforming to the norms of our world, the old norms. The only rule is you're not allowed to believe in the, in the traditional sexual views. You have to believe in non-conformist views. It's the only rule that everyone now believes in, which is I- ironic. And if you don't, you'll be judged. Um, you know, people are called out. Uh, you'll be, you'll be criticised and you, you'll be excluded on social media if, if you don't follow the narrative about sex and gender that everyone else is following, the non-conformist view, you will be excluded. It's a really, really tough place to be in. Uh, it's tough for parents, it's really tough for young people. Uh, but it's the freedom narrative intertwined with the sexual revolution. And it's playing out in culture. So breaking rules is right, keeping rules is wrong. There is no grey, it's just black and white now. Rule keeping is bad, it's morally wrong. You're an evil person if you keep the rules. Uh, it's nuts. And so I'm going to play a video uh, it's marketed to young teenagers. It's a classic message about the freedom narrative. Uh, when I play it, just listen to it and, and think about what are the messages that it says about religion, about sexuality, and about freedom. And I'm actually, if, any, if people are comfortable, I'd love them to talk about it. I'll, I'll, I'll introduce it in a sec. But let's, let's watch this beautiful, terrible video. What, what's amazing about that video when I watched it a few times? It is not at all controversial. It is not at all radical. It is not at all contentious. It reflects what our culture already believe and it reflects what we should already believe. There's nothing controversial in that video whatsoever. It's a mirror. It's a mirror of the freedom narrative about what young and older people already believe all across Australia, shaped and discipled through thousands and thousands of hours of Disney movies, YouTube videos, social media clips, and other mass marketing campaigns about defining one view of freedom in contrast to other views of freedom. Uh, So I'd love you to spend a few minutes talking about this mirror. It's a mirror reflecting back what we already believe. So what does this music video teach us about freedom? But let's look at the Word of God, and I want to look at John 15, 23 to 29. And this is not a typical narrative about uh, freedom. There's actually lots of specific passages and stories about freedom in the the Newer Testament. And yet at the same time, uh, I actually really felt this is the one to speak about. And uh, it encompasses the heartbeat of what it means to really experience freedom, which ironically in the Scriptures is about obedience, about obeying the ways of God in a way that is shaped by God's love and leads to true freedom. It, it's countercultural. And so this, this passage that I'm going to read, it's, it's by Jesus. And it's Jesus speaking to his apprentices, to his disciples, not long before he died. And he was preparing them for what it might look like to live in a world that rejects his message. What does it look like to live in a world which rejects apprenticeship to him? Uh, so it's really relevant. And um, yeah, so let's read it. Uh, loving me empowers you to obey my word and my Father will love you so deeply that we will come to you and make you our dwelling place. 
But those who do not love me will not obey my words. The Father did not send me to speak my own revelation, but the words of my Father. I am telling you this while I am still with you. But when the Father sends the Spirit of holiness, the one like me who sets you free, there you are, there's my passage, um, he will teach you all things in my name and he will inspire you to remember every word that I have told you. I leave the gift of peace with you, my peace, not the kind of fragile peace given by the world, but my perfect peace. Don't yield to fear or be troubled in your hearts. Indeed, be courageous. Remember what I've told you, that I must go away, but I promise to come back to you. So if I, tr- if you tr- if I <laughs> can't read that. Uh, so if you truly love me, you will be glad for me, since I'm returning to my Father who is greater than I. So when all these things happen, you will still trust and cling to me. So what does this have to say about freedom? I love the first, the first line is beautiful. It says, loving me empowers you to obey my word, but those who do not love me will not obey my words. The NIV says, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. So there is a direct connection between God's love uh, and us obeying his word and the experience of peace that he's promising. You know, like you've probably heard of the five love languages, okay? So we give and receive love in particular ways and experience love that way. Uh, there's um, physical affection, gifts, quality time, acts of service, words of affirmation. Yeah? Uh, but God actually says, according to the Gospel of John, that there's a sixth love language. It's God's love language, and His love language is obedience. Uh, it's interesting, isn't it? Uh, those who love Jesus will obey His teaching, and those who don't will not obey. Uh, but it is God's love that inspires and transforms us enough to want to obey, and we're going to talk about that. Uh, So this is totally and utterly the opposite of the world's message. It's the opposite uh, in terms of the foundation for freedom, that you find freedom not when you rebel, but when you obey. You actually find freedom through obedience, which is completely the opposite of what we've talked about in the culture message. And I really like Wolfgang Simpson's analogy. He says that God's commandments are like a football field. he's, He's German. Or a soccer field for us, okay? So God's commandments are like a soccer field. Uh, And in soccer, there are lines, there are rules, there are boundaries, uh, but those are not put in place to reduce and restrict our freedom, yeah? They're they're there to make the game fun. (laughs) They're there to make freedom happen within the boundaries of the soccer game. Uh, So when there are clear lines and people know how to play the game, there are endless possibilities for practicing, for kicking, for learning. Uh, Every game is different, every match can be exciting and but if you, take, if you take the game away, if you take the lines away, you take the goals away and say, follow your heart and trust your feelings and just be free and kick the ball wherever you want, well, that might be fun for a while, but it doesn't take long before it gets boring and chaotic. And you don't get self-mastery. The games don't become an adventure. There's something about the lines that make you feel free. Uh, and so what he says is that the Word of God, God's instructions are actually our soccer field. Jesus provides clear instructions in a whole area of of living. He teaches us how to use money, how to engage in relationships, how to love our enemies, how to care for our poor, like how to do lots of things. And he also talks us about what it looks like to be a man and a woman and to love one another sexually. So the world says freedom is found by rejecting rules and by making up our own game. Jesus says 
I invite you to know the love of God to the extent where you want to walk and play within my soccer field. And actually, ironically, by obeying me, you experience true life. You experience freedom. Uh, it's a really different mechanism. And so ultimately, it's the lines, Jesus says it's the lines that make the game fun. Uh, it's the lines that bring true freedom, which is a mind bender for us. <laughs> it just doesn't seem logical. But I want to show you what it is. And so there are two radically different imaginations of freedom. One, make up your rules, just like everyone else, and you'll be free, which is the ways of the world. And the other is to actually love Jesus and to follow him and to play within his playground. And actually, ironically, that's how you actually find freedom. Can you see how different these are? <laughs> it's like the opposite. Yeah? All right. And so let me just give you some quick examples because the Bible presents an alternative imagination for what it means to be free, but it is not illogical and it is not irrational. In fact, it matches the reality of life in entirety. Um, and so, look, Jesus' words about sex and gender and marriage align with reality uh, because in every single area of life, boundaries and life-giving limits increase freedom. They don't decrease it. And there is no reason why we should throw logic out of the window when it comes to sexuality. So when we drive a car, there is freedom to explore, to drive, and experience a whole lot of stuff. But you need to follow the road rules. There are lines. There are rules. And, and there's no need to break them. Uh, and within this, there is an adventure. You can follow your heart. You can just follow your feelings. You can drink as much as you want, maybe smoke a few joints, you might feel like you're safe to drive, but reality doesn't necessarily align with your feelings. Your feelings don't actually count. Truth and reality do. You know what I mean? When it comes to driving, and, and actually following your heart is often a recipe for disaster when it comes to driving, and it reduces your freedom and it reduces other people's freedom. Same's food, the same for food and fitness, okay, which was what I talked about with Jethro. Eating well and exercising regularly is harder. It requires discipline and pain uh, and regularity, but there is freedom on the other side of it. You end up feeling healthier, more energetic, more life-filled. Over time, you live longer. Uh, that's why parents want their kids to eat vegetables, because it's good for them and it gives them life and freedom, uh, whereas actually the opposite is not freeing. You know, you can sit around... Uh, and eat Turkish delights all you want, all right? Follow your heart, trust your feelings. In a world where sugar is way cheaper than vegetables, that is not a recipe for long-term freedom. Uh, obesity, diabetes, getting blind, cardiac arrest, these are not things that actually make you free. But you need restrictions and life-giving limitations in order to experience the freedom of health and happiness. It's the same as God's Word. Yeah? All right, uh, there's bling. <laughs> I just like this picture. Um, you can spend what you want. You can just, you know, shop all day on eBay and spend everything you have, but eventually debt will catch up with you and it reduces your freedom, it reduces your options, uh, let alone the fact that you don't want a photo like this on Instagram 20 years later. Um, and technology is another one, which I've, you know, I'm very close to my heart. I've written a book on this topic that... Um, no, no right, no rules, no, no, no right, no wrong, no rules for me when it comes to tech is a recipe for disaster for everyone. And the research is increasingly showing that in a, in a constantly on culture where there is no rules, there are no boundaries, you're just constantly online, it leads to unhappiness, depression, sadness, a breakdown in community. Uh, Technology is wonderful within a playing field. Throw that away, 
you end up broken. It's the same story in every area of life. There is a point where you want to close down your tools and experience life away from a screen. Uh, And so, look, when it comes to sex and sexuality, when it comes to relationships, why are the rules totally different from every other area of life and logic? Does it make sense? Um, The world says to have sexual freedom, you must have no rules, no moral constraints, no right, no wrong. Uh, You know, swipe right on Tinder and just hook up with someone who looks good, and that's fine. Enjoy porn. It's a natural expression of yourself. Follow your heart. Follow your dopamine. It makes you self-expressed. You know, like have multiple partners. Try different experimental things sexually. Uh, This is what the world says. And it's more than that, actually. They don't just say, if it makes you feel happy, it's right. They say, if it makes you feel happy in the moment, God must think it's morally right. It must be morally right if it feels good, And if it doesn't feel good, or if it's maybe delaying that good feeling, then it's morally wrong, and we will call you out and we'll judge you, and you will be the bad people from now on. Um, We're in a totally different culture, a very, very judgmental culture when it comes to sexuality. It's like the opposite judgmentalism of the 1950s. Uh, And there's enormous pressure to conform to non-conformity. But it's not... Jesus said there are life-giving limits when it comes to sexuality, and that's how we live well. That's how we experience relationships that last a lifetime. That's how we experience wholeness and health and purity. Um, you know, he reinforces the biblical code that sex is beautiful and wonderful and precious and life-giving within the context of a lifelong covenanted marriage between a man and a woman. That's Jesus' code. Uh, He reinforces that God made male and female. He made masculinity and femininity. And within those two um, created, ordered accounts, we find beauty. There's beauty in that limitation. If you break that, you don't find freedom. You actually find confusion. Within masculinity and femininity, there is a lifetime of exploration and joy. Uh, Now, these two things, that God made sex for marriage and that God made us male and female, and that's beautiful are totally controversial now in our culture. They've become very, very controversial in the last five years and soon will probably be, be illegal, actually, to say this in a culture context like this, um, certainly in some professions. And so we're, we're in a culture where we need to share this narrative and actually explore these things. Um, but the idea of unrestricted experimentation and sex with no boundaries, it, it really is the same as drink driving unlimited Instagram, (laughs) um, consuming and consuming and eating and eating with no rules, and it doesn't lead to life. Uh, The type of experience of life, the the relationships that last for a lifetime, must go beyond feelings. They go beyond eros, which is what Michael talked about. Eros is beautiful, sexual love, but they must be built on agape, on self-sacrifice, on boundaries, on, 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 on holy limitations that lead to health and happiness over a lifetime. Uh, and yeah, someone once said, the way, you, the way you start is the way you end. I found that really helpful when it comes to relationships. The way you start is the way you end. If you start with just selfishness and feelings and, and just a complete rejection of rules and, and health and purity, well, then it's going to be very hard to become the type of person uh, and form the type of relationship that actually isn't built on that, which is what a marriage is. Uh, So, look, all I'd say is um, Jesus' message aligns with reality and we shouldn't reject it outright. 
What I'm not saying, and this is, I suppose, the last bit I want to say, what I'm not saying, and it's really important, I'm not saying that feelings are bad. I'm not saying we should never listen to our emotions. We should never trust our gut. We should never learn from what we're feeling and experiencing. I mean, we are not brains on a stick. You know, like God has made us to be emotional, uh, spiritual, creative people. And he speaks to us through our emotions. Jesus laughed. Jesus wept. Jesus loved passionately, and we should love passionately too. The scriptures are full of passionate, um, life-filled people expressing their emotions in beautiful human ways. So this message is not anti-emotion and it's not anti-feeling, but when our feelings do not align with God's reality, when what what we're... wanting to do from an emotional perspective is in direct contrast with what Jesus says gives life in the area of love and relationships. Don't listen to your feelings. Okay, it's about order and priority. The Word of God basically says, trust the revelation of God first, His Word in Scripture. Trust that actually um, you aren't your own authority into how to live well, that God is and that within Him, we can experience joy in life. Uh, So if our feelings directly contradict what is clearly in Scripture, that's when we don't follow our feelings. We trust God more than ourselves. Uh, And within that, He actually blesses us with peace. Does that make sense? So, look, just, just pause for a minute. It's either make up your rules and be free, or find freedom in Jesus. And just pause for a minute, uh, Have you ever experienced freedom by keeping Jesus' commands or by keeping rules in spite of your feelings? Just pause and just reflect for one minute. just want to finish with scripture and finish with the last bit of that scripture which I think is really encouraging and points us to Jesus and then we'll have communion Uh, the question practically that I just keep coming back to is well if God has created I suppose rules or laws why are they so hard to keep (laughs) because I don't think it's I mean it's not the logic that stops us it's the fact that it's really really hard to walk in God's ways particularly in a culture which says do the opposite, where everyone says not only do the opposite, but you're a bad person if you actually follow God's laws. Um, It's really hard, super hard. Does that make sense? How do we do this? And, um, And Jesus shows us the way in the scripture that I read before. The thing is, what we don't want to do is just ditch all the rules and say the rules are too hard, the laws and commandments are too difficult, therefore let's change them. Let's just say God would approve whatever we feel. Yeah, That's what the world has done. But Jesus didn't. He set a really high bar. He said, if you look at a woman lustfully, you have committed adultery. If you look at someone with lust, it's, and it's not just like pornography, it's like that second look. You know, guys, when you have that second look, that's lust. Um, then he says, if your eyes have that second look, if your eyes cause you to sin, then gouge them out. <laughs> it's, it's hyperbole. Please don't do that. 
But it, it's really, he does not mince his words and he does not lower the bar. Uh, if, you are div- if you divorce or marry a divorced person, you have committed adultery. And again, he's not here to condemn people who are experiencing the pain and, and suffering of divorce, but he doesn't say what is, what is broken is unbroken. We shouldn't do that as Christians. We have the tendency to do it. Holiness is hard. It is almost impossible. So how on earth can we walk in Jesus' way as apprentices? And, and the point is we can't. We actually can't follow God's ways. It is impossible to be pure and holy in the way that Jesus sees holiness. It is impossible. And that is why we need His grace. That is why we need a Savior. And that is why we need to trust in Him and cling to Him and know that we will always experience hope and freedom and love. Okay? So let's finish with this scripture, John 15, the end of it. We've read it before. Um, How do we do this? Jesus says, loving me empowers you to obey my word. Loving me. So what he's saying is, it's not rule keeping or skills that keep you obeying him. It's his love. We're back to the foundation that God is love. It's his love that somehow compels us to want to keep his instructions. We cannot keep them in our own strength. And then he goes on to say, not only will loving me empower you to obey my word, he says, my father will love you so deeply that we will come and live in you. The spirit of holiness, the spirit of God will live in us. The Holy Spirit lives in us, the spirit of Jesus. He came and he lived in us to change our heart from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. And not only that, when the, when the Father sends the Spirit of holiness, He will set you free. There is true freedom. And He will teach you and inspire you. So the thing is, we are filled with the Holy Spirit, a Spirit of God that is supernatural and relational. We cannot do this in our own strength. But somehow God makes it possible within us and we will fall and we will sin and we'll make mistakes And the Holy Spirit picks us up again and says, try one more time. Keep trusting in God. Don't lower that bar and don't pretend you'll find freedom outside of the playing field. Cling to Jesus and he will help you become like him. It's a very different way. Do you follow? And then he says, just to finish, I love this. He says, I leave the gift of peace with you. But it's not the peace of this world. It's not fragile, superficial peace that relies on good circumstance. It's perfect peace. It's peace in spite of whether or not you're broken or whether or not you're well. It's peace in spite of whether or not your relationships are falling apart or whether or not they are rich and beautiful. It's peace that is in brokenness as well as peace in joy because the Spirit of God isn't within me. Does does that make sense? It's a different type of peace. Uh, So do not yield to fear or be troubled, but be courageous because the Holy Spirit is in you, changing you and allowing you to get up again and again and again. And the secret is at the bottom. The secret is not following the rules and it is not being strong. It is not knowing more in your head. The secret is clinging and trusting to Jesus and allowing him to constantly again and again and again allow you to say, I'm sorry, Lord, I've fallen down. Thank you for your love. Let's go again. And over time, we actually become holy people. We become more like Jesus. And actually, we learn to walk within his playfield and experience true freedom. 
a freedom of holiness, of purity, of joy, of hope, uh, a peace that is beyond our circumstance. And that is a peace that is way better than anything the world offers and way better than anything that Disney or music videos offer. It's a peace that will last for eternity. So freedom is the choice to trust and cling to Jesus. It's the choice to trust and cling to Jesus, to obey his commands and experience the spirit of peace in our struggle. Jesus died and rose again. He died so that we could experience his freedom. We don't earn the freedom. The freedom comes from him. And we have the ability to choose the way of love because he died and gave us his spirit. And if you remember nothing else from today, freedom is found in God's soccer field through the love of God changing our hearts. And it's a beautiful thing. It's a freedom that leads to relational health and eternal life. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you enjoyed this talk, follow us on Podbean or iTunes or connect with us through Facebook and Instagram at Together Church Hobart.